Welcome to Bethany, where we're leading people to experience God's love, know Jesus Christ, and grow in his image. Uh, I am excited that you're worshiping with us on this Mother's Day, and I hope all you mothers out there are going to be, be celebrated. I hope you're able to celebrate your mothers uh, and, and your spiritual mothers today. Um, I am not Pastor Tom. I am, I am Pastor Thomas. I'm one of the associate pastors at Bethany. Um, and, and I get the privilege of, of preaching today. And so we're going to be continuing through our series on Philippians. We're about, I think this is our fourth week in Philippians. And Philippians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. And chapter three, which is the chapter we're going to be on today, is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And then I saw the title of the message and I, I just could not resist. I said, I, I want to do that sermon. Um, later, I had to explain to my wife that I signed up to do a sermon on Mother's Day. I did not realize it was Mother's Day when I signed up for that. But I brought for you, just proof so you can see it, I brought my merit badge sash. Okay, so I, I grew up in, as a Boy Scout um, in a scouting family. Um, I, 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 I got to, to Eagle Scout, but this is my merit badge sash just in case any of you are questioning whether I've earned any badges. And I think, personally, my, my merit badge sash looks even more impressive than all of Jody's medals. That's just if you ask me. Um, I, I love scouting. I had a great time doing scouting growing up. Uh, I, I would recommend it to anyone. Uh, the experiences I got to have, uh, there, there's nothing else like it. Um, the, the camaraderie with other youth as I grew up through different stages and you know, varying degrees of increased freedom at different levels of scouting. Uh, I got to go outdoors a whole lot. Um, I grew up in Southern California, some of you know that. Um, so there's actually mountains out there. And I got to go hiking and backpacking and camping in real mountains. I know that's something a little foreign to us Texans. Um, I learned leadership skills in scouts. I was able to both, you know, take some classes, but also practice having some leadership responsibility. And, and that was such a good thing for me as a young man. Um, but, but then there's the badges. I loved this, this system where I set out to earn and achieve something. And uh, if I check, check off boxes one, two, and three, I get a badge. And it goes, goes on my merit badge sash, right? It's that merit badge mentality. It was highly motivating for me. I think it's uh, a good thing when it comes to scouting. I think it, it can help us stay motivated and learn and progress on, learn a lot of life skills that way. But I think that merit badge mentality can be dangerous when it gets into the church and it gets to be too much a part of our faith. So today in Philippians, as we look at chapter 3, Paul is going to warn us about a merit badge mentality. And he's going to show us a better way. And what Paul's going to tell us about is not just something for those Christians in Philippi to worry about. It's, it's actually, I think there are things that we can apply to our life uh, living right here in Austin, Texas in 2021. So will you pray with me before we read the scripture today? Lord, we're grateful to be in your presence, worshiping you. Uh, we are so excited, Lord, that you are with us right now. As we look at your word, we pray that you would use it to teach us, to form us, to correct us, 
and to set us on a course towards Jesus more than anything else. Lord, would you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when we get into chapter 3, Paul starts right off with an exhortation. He says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Now this, this encouragement to rejoice in the Lord is something that we've seen before. It's somewhat of a theme through the letter of Philippians. Early in the letter, Paul talks about how he has joy in the Lord. And what's really striking about this is Paul is writing Philippians from jail. So although he's sitting in a prison cell, a pretty awful one if I had to imagine, uh, he's able to have joy in something that is bigger than his circumstances. His joy is coming from Jesus. And he wants the Philippians to have that same kind of joy. So he is trying to set an example for them to follow. He's also going to warn them about some things that can steal away that joy in Jesus. And he does that in the next few verses. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. So he says that because he had previously brought up something about this warning in, in the first chapter. And here's, here's the warning. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Paul is using some incredibly strong words here. Can you tell he's got some feelings behind this? He's got a little bit of feeling behind this. The people he is warning the Christians in Philippi about are those that are going around and teaching a different gospel than the gospel that Paul taught. The gospel that is different that they're teaching is they're coming to places where there are new Greek Christians, so different than uh, Jews that have become Christians. They're coming to places where there are primarily Greek Christians. And they're telling those new Greek Christians that it's, it's all fine and well that they're believing in Jesus and that they want to be Christians, but they can't really be Christians unless they also convert to Judaism. That's the only way to really be a part of God's people. So Jesus is good, but you also have to do X, Y, and Z. And X, Y, and Z, the particulars, or at least the stuff that would be um, a particularly big deal, was you had to follow the dietary laws of the Old Testament. You had to have a strict Sabbath observance, which they, they made a lot of extra rules around the Sabbath to make sure no one accidentally broke it. Didn't want to make God mad, I guess. And then, if you were a male, you had, you had to be circumcised. I don't know about you, that sounds like a really high bar for conversion. And, and so Paul thinks that the perpetuating of that gospel, that Jesus is good, but you also have to do X, Y, and Z, you have to follow all these laws, he, he thought that was a really bad thing. That's why he, he calls them dogs. He's, he's maybe thinking of them as guard dogs that are being a little bit too guard dogish, Right? He thinks what they're doing is evil, and then he uses that play on words, mutilators of the flesh, to maybe just convince those in Philippi that don't do this. You probably don't want to do this. What Paul says, as he starts to explain why is this a false gospel, 
as he starts to explain, the true people of God are not those that have an outward physical mark on their body or people who follow a certain set of rules. The true people of God are marked by the Holy Spirit, right? When we get Jesus, we always get the Holy Spirit uh, with us. And as followers of Christ, the one true mark on us that sets us apart from the world, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And so Paul draw, draws attention to that. And he says, if you're the people that are not marked by some outward sign in your body, but by the Holy Spirit, then you don't have anything to boast about in yourself. Right? Your merit badges don't, don't count and they don't matter. Right? He's saying what really matters is that we boast in Jesus. Now Paul's going to dig into this a little more and kind of pull apart his opponent's arguments He's going to use himself as an example. So he begins talking about his old life as he was a practicing Jew. He says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. So Paul, Paul's saying, look, if anyone should be trying to get right with God by following X, Y, and Z, all these rules and uh, fulfill the covenant by their own actions. He's saying, I could do it. If it was possible, Paul, Paul's the guy. And here is his resume that he's building up. He says of himself that he was circumcised on the eighth day, that he is of the people of Israel. He's of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So he goes through this long resume, all the reasons why he lived better than any other law-abiding Jew. It's some mix of personal behavior and decisions his parents made on his behalf, along with his family lineage. Um, the Pharisee thing, that, that's a little bit like what political party was he a part of, right? He was a part of this select group of Pharisees uh, who thought and lived in a very particular way. And then he was so zealous for the faith, he was willing to go out of his way to defend it against the outsiders. He's saying if anyone could have achieved a status before God by following the old covenant, it was Paul. But Paul gives this, this big resume, and here's what he's going to do with it. He says, whatever, gains, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He's saying that his spiritual merit badges are actually not worth keeping when he came to know Jesus because he found something far better. He's willing to give up his impressive resume because instead of an impressive resume, he just wants to be close to Jesus. He's going to elaborate on that. He says, What is more, I consider everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And so Paul's saying that as he's gotten to know Jesus more, it's not just the things he could brag about, but really everything that just pales in comparison. If Paul's putting things in a scale here, he's saying, look, if you're going to compare Jesus and everything else, hands down, I know what wins. 
hands down, I know what's better, and I'll give up everything else so I can have Jesus. There seems to be the idea of a trade-off at play here also, where um, you can choose to have all of Jesus, or you can have all these other things. But if you try to hang on to all these other things and still have Jesus, what you're probably going to do is you're probably going to end up following God in a muted, half-hearted, kind of lukewarm way. You can't, can't have it both ways. So what an amazing claim. And Paul's talking about a pretty extreme thing here. Um, he used to value the old covenant, the fulfilling of the law, the rigorous living that he went through to prove himself before God. But now he's saying that more than anything else, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, that's the top priority. What happened to Paul? How, how could someone go from being so high on the totem pole in the Jewish faith to wanting to throw it all away? Well, J.D. Walt in the Seedbed Daily Text devotional, uh, he had a really good quote this week that I think uh, encapsulates what happened to Paul. He says, what happened? Paul met Jesus and he never got over it. He met the one for whom he had longed. Once we see the treasure of Jesus, our trophies so pale in comparison that we regard them as trash. (laughs) Once we meet the treasure of Jesus, our merit badge sashes, more than that, our spiritual merit badge sashes that each of us probably wear to some extent, it's just not worth it. This, This gets to the point of the whole letter. You know, we called this series a love letter. We, we didn't call it a love letter because Paul is writing a love letter to the Philippians. We, we called it a love letter because Paul is writing about his crazy love for God. And Paul wants the Philippians to follow his example, to have a crazy, mad love for God that starts to do something in, in every part of their life. Um, It's only when we fall in love with God in this way that then we're willing to let go of everything else. And that's been Paul's experience, and now he's inviting them to follow his example. I can relate to Paul a little bit. Um, I I grew up in the church. Um, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, and I was a part uh, of a family that went to church often. You know, so often. I think we were at church every Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon and Wednesday night. And if there was something that was not happening at church that my mom thought should be happening, she would start it, like VBS or Children's Sunday School or youth group. We were that family, right? So I was at church a lot growing up, and let me tell you, I knew how to look like a good church kid. I could be on my best behavior, especially when it mattered, when people were watching. I could wear my Sunday clothes to church, to look like such a good kid, as the, the older people in my church would look at me and say, look, at he's such a good kid, he even wore a college shirt. I knew how to follow along with the church service, and remember, this is an Episcopal church service, so that's a lot of liturgy. I had it memorized. So much repetition, you do that 52 times a year, yeah, you'll have it memorized. I knew how to kneel at the right time, stand up, sit down, kneel. It was like a little dance in the Episcopal church, Right? I I was even confirmed twice by a bishop. I felt like I had something to brag about. 
right? I mean, wasn't I pretty good? Especially when you look at all the other kids, they, I don't, I just don't know. My mom surely would not say that they measured up. And, you know, it wasn't until I was 17 years old, I went on an Emmaus-style retreat um, for high schoolers. I came face-to-face with Jesus. I, there's one of the few times in my life I've heard Jesus speak to me. And what he said, and I I think I've told you all this before, and I'm not trying to just uh, repeat a story. It just is such a momentous part of my journey. I can't deny that. Jesus spoke to me, and he said, Thomas, I don't want you to just follow me or, or look like you're following me on Sunday mornings and Wednesday afternoons. I want you to follow me every day for the rest of your life. Boom, my mind was blown. I had never thought about that before. I knew that God loved everyone, but I thought I had given God some special reasons why he would like me better. Now, in most of us, if we grew up in the church, I'm sure there's some wrestling and searching and figuring out that we have to come to. I wonder if most of us as adults don't live like that's true sometimes, right? What this comes down to for Paul is what are we going to trust to know that we are righteous, that we are right with God? Is it going to be our own behavior? Or is it going to be the actions of Christ? This is really important. In verse 9, Paul talks about the beauty of this when we are willing to let go of everything else and hold on to Jesus and value Jesus more than anything else. We get to be found in him. We get to be found in Jesus. We get a new identity. We have a place to belong. He goes on to explain not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And this is where it comes down to for Paul. It's are we going to trust in our own works and our own achievements, our our spiritual merit badges, or are we going to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, uh, I, I wonder, you know, how do we incorporate this into our life? I'm a firm believer. We read scripture not just to learn things up here, but so God can shape us and form us. We have to apply it to our lives. And I don't think there's very many people here, probably no one here is wondering, do I have to convert to Judaism to be a good Christian? I don't think anyone here is, at least if you are, come talk to me. We'll talk it out. That's fine. I don't think anyone here, that's your big wondering today. But I do think in the, in, in the year that we live in, in 2021 in Austin, Texas, I think there are some particular things that could be dangerous for us that could lead us to trust not only in Jesus but in other things. So as I prayed about this, God really brought to mind three different things. I want to share these with you um, as suggestions for things we might need to consider and be aware of in our hearts, all right? So the the first one, I've already kind of covered it. It's that um, thinking that we can earn our way to God by our good Christian behavior, right? There's all the ways that a little kid would do that, but I think for many of us as adults, sometimes we make decisions not based on what is Jesus calling me to do, but what would other people think of me if they knew I was doing this? Are they looking? Right? We want to make sure we look like a good Christian person. 
And so we, we have good church attendance. We, we go to Sunday school. We know the Sunday school answers. We participate in a certain amount of things. We serve uh, on that one service project that, we, that we're a part of. And then we, we feel like we earned a little merit badge. Aren't you proud, Jesus? I think for all of us, we have to search out in our hearts, are, are we doing the things we're doing because we're trying to prove to God that we're lovable? Because that's not actually how we, it's not going to work. And, and I think if we start to slip into that, the, the other danger is it will cause us to start to compare ourselves to others around us. We'll either look down our nose at someone that's not as good as us, or we'll get jealous of someone that can look like a better Christian than us. So I think that's, that's the first place where I think we need to be careful. And when we recognize that that, that might be in our hearts in some way, we respond as Paul does. We say, all right, God, I'm going to count this as loss. I'm going to let go of trying to earn my way to you, and I'm just going to trust that what Jesus did is enough. Second thing that could be a dangerous uh, kind of replacement savior, I think holding particular beliefs or ideologies or positions and elevating those to be more important than knowing Jesus. I think that can be a danger for us. I think that's happening in the world around us at an accelerated rate. Um, and if you, if you think about it, uh, there are fewer and fewer issues where it's acceptable for people of differing opinions to disagree and still be friends, right? If you're on social media, you probably experience that. Or, or you don't. You just see all the, all the same stuff because uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that filters it out. So you only see the people like you. But... You know, I think we live in a world where a lot of particular controversial issues have started to become ultimate. And the danger there is that it's, it's like we're using, are, are, am I in the right position on that issue to tell if I am right before God or not? I don't think any one of us would explain it that way, but I think sometimes in our heads we think about it that way. Now, here's, here's what I want you to know. I'm not picking on one side or the other. I, I want to be an equal opportunity offender here. This is across political spectrum. This is across ideologies. Anyone can fall into this trap, including me. Um, I also want to be clear, it's not bad to have an opinion on things. It's not bad to... Uh, operate under a particular ideology. It's not bad to have a clear way that you think about a particular issue. The Bible takes a stance on a number of very controversial issues. I don't think we need to shy away from that. I'm not saying let's all be Christians that are in the mushy middle, okay? I'm just saying it's easy for us to take those things and to make where someone stands on that issue more important than knowing Jesus. You'll, we'll, we'll know when we're doing this because it makes us start to ask the question, I wonder where this person stands on that issue before we even consider if we want to be in a relationship with that person or not. And it, what, I, what I think it does, it makes us feel like we are righteous and others might be not righteous based on a position, based on a political preference or an issue. I'll tell you, I have friends across the political spectrum and various ideological spectrums. Um, it is clear to me the ones who know Jesus well because they look 
and they talk and they act and they smell like Jesus. I don't mean that in a bad, like, first century no-shower way. I mean, it's clear when you look at their life, Jesus is just coming out of them because they love spending time with Jesus more than anything else. You guys know what I'm talking about. You probably know people like this that you're just, man, what I have come to see, the people in my life that just ooze Jesus out of them, they are not all of the same mind on every issue. Right? So when we, when we stop making the issues be the main thing, we can let Jesus be the main thing. I think that is, is a danger for us, and we have to be aware of that. And when we recognize that in our hearts, and myself included, I have to be able to say, all right, God, you are not better than me focusing on this one issue. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that go. I'm going to focus on knowing Jesus. The third thing that I... That I I really feel like God led me to as I was praying about this is I think sometimes our, the worldly measures of success can kind of infiltrate our lives and make us feel like we're winning and then we don't need a savior, right? Or, or we're not doing so well in our career or our finances or our status and then we just feel like a failure, right? That's not good either. But I think uh, the worldly metrics of success can sometimes come in and be a replacement savior for us. Um, and I think we have to watch out for that. I think we have to watch out for that. The thing about all, of, all three of these, I, it's not that they're all bad things. It's not bad to have good religious habits. It's not bad to be a good church person. Um, it, it's not bad to have a stance on different issues or to have a political persuasion. That, it's not a bad thing. Um, it's not bad to be successful financially or um, the way that the world measures success. That, that's not a bad thing. All of those things just make really lousy saviors. Jesus is better. And that's what Paul is trying to say. You know, the whole, this whole series, we've been going over this verse, Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11. And so um, I, I think it's when we let go of those other saviors, then we're able to say with Paul what he says here, that I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And then in Paul's mind, he's very clear, the power of the resurrection does not come by us raising ourselves up it comes by us following christ's example of lowering ourselves and emptying ourselves and letting go of everything else because of the surpassing worth of christ and so he says and participation in his sufferings that's the emptying right becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead Paul's convinced that knowing Jesus is the best thing in the world, that nothing even comes close. I wonder for all of us here today, what, what are the things that cause us to take up a merit badge mentality? What are the things that threaten to steer us off course, to steal our joy in Christ? Maybe a part of what we need to kind of get into our head and get into our hearts is the way that God loves us and accepts us. It's only because of Jesus. It's not because of what we've done. You know, when I uh, was in Scouts and I would earn a badge, I would be very proud of my badge, right? Um, and you know what? I, I really was thinking my mom was pretty proud of me too. And she was, 
Earning merit badges did not make my mom love me anymore. So maybe that reminder today of a mother's love, it's not because of what you've done, it's because you are her child, and God loves us in the same way. It's not because of what we've done, it's not because you look more Christian than anyone else, it's not because you have figured out all the right bullet-pointed beliefs that someone needs to hold, it's not because you've been more successful than your peers, it's just because of Jesus. And we can rest in that love, we can rest in that assurance, and in that is the most joy that I think we can experience. Will you pray with me? Lord, come and help us. There's ways that we try to do this without you. And time and time again, we come to a point of realizing it's really not worth it to do this without you. We can't earn our way, but Jesus is enough. I pray, Lord, today would you come and fill us with your spirit? Would you draw our hearts closer and closer to Jesus so that knowing you becomes the greatest source of joy in our lives? Would you come and do this today and through this week that we could follow you and that we could become like you in the process? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.